done. But a devotee is actually engaged in the service of the lotus feet of the Lord. His engagement in itself is so perfect that there is no need to ask for further benediction. When a bee approaches the Bhajata tree, it gets unlimited supplies of honey. There is no need to go to another tree. If one is fixed in the service of the lotus feet of the Lord, there is unlimited transcendent bliss. And as such, there is no need to ask for further benediction. The Parijata tree is not commonly found within this material world. The Parijata tree is also known as Kalpaviksha or the wish-fulfilling tree. One can get anything he desires from such a tree. In the material world, one can get oranges from an orange tree or mangoes from a mango tree. But there is no possibility of getting oranges from a mango tree or vice versa. However, one can get whatever he wants from the Parijata tree, oranges, mangoes, bananas, and so on. Of course, it's not limited to fruits only. This tree is found in the spiritual world. Chintami Bhagavad Riksha, Laksha Vateshu. The spiritual world, Chintamani Dham, is surrounded by these Kalpa Riksha trees. But the Parijata tree is also found in the kingdom of Indra. That is on Indra's heavenly planet. The Parijata tree was brought by Krishna to please Satyabhama, one of his queens, and this tree was implanted in the Dwarka mansions constructed for the queens. The lotus feet of the Lord are exactly like the Parijata trees or Vishnu filling trees, and the devotees are like the bumblebees. They are always attracted by the lotus feet of the Lord. Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhupada, Shri Avadavada, Shri Vasi Govinda, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Krishna's Lord's face are like the parts of the tree, the Vishnu tree. So, that is the beauty of the Lotus Tree of the Lord. They are so beautiful and uh, so amazing, they compared to the Parajana Tree. Because they can fulfill any of the desires we have. So, we are full of desires. A living entity, by nature, for any living entity, to be conscious means to have desires. That is the meaning to be conscious. So regardless of the type of living entity in the material world, we all have uh, various desires. So last time in Anagya class we were talking about how desires are uh, natural to the living entity. There's desires which are, as a result of having a body and then we have spiritual desires. So in, in this world, um, people are always desiring Right, uh, different things, and uh, we we think to have desires is 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 normal. Yes, it is normal to have desires, but uh, in the conditioned state, we don't realize the uh, 
the type of desires we have and what the consequences of, of engaging in those desires are. Um, just like there is analysis done on almost everything in this world, but there is no analysis done on the nature of desires. It is thought that if we simply have desires, then um, they will be fulfilled. If we strive for them, if we strive by appropriate means, um, the understanding is they will be fulfilled. But the nature of uh, material desire is such that they are very, very difficult to fulfill. And even if fulfilled, they do not give the tushi or the satisfaction one is thanking for. So the, the desire of this material world are a great deception. That's why it's called Maya. Maya means that which is not. So we are conditioned to think that uh, having material desires is normal and uh, if we engage in fulfilling those desires, that's, that is a normal activity to undertake. And as a result of undertaking that activity, we will become satisfied. That is the conditioning we've had from countless lifetimes of being in the material world. It, that and conditioning is usually very strong. Conditioning means one is conditioned to do something. Um, I can see that. Um, so, this recently at work, I'm for a long time, I was used to fulfill, you know, filling my time sheets in a certain way. I would put it in one section of the screen, go there and, and, and fill it. But now everything changed. So, and, but, but because of the conditioning, I was again you know, taking my mouse to that same area of the screen and trying to face. So I was, I was reflecting on that. This is just a one year of doing something in, in a particular way. I've become so conditioned and it took me took me two weeks to overcome that. So that's just an example of a, of a, a small thing, a small activity, just even in this lifetime of doing it for some time in a political way. Right? But uh, because we have been in this material world for such a long time, we have rebelled against Krishna and then of being in this material world for countless lifetimes, we have been acting out our desires and then we are thinking material desires will satisfy us. And this topic applies to me. I'm very much conditioned by that too. Um, but that's the nature of, of material desires. The Supreme Lord explains, the Shastra explains that they cannot be fulfilled no matter how much we try. And in fact, they cause so much grief in the process of trying to uh, fulfill them. One has to Endeavor, is, endeavor laboriously to fulfill those desires. It's, uh, material desires are not easy to fulfill. So people think, I want a lot of money, I want many cars, beautiful partner, a nice home. But to get all of that, one has to struggle very hard. And then if you get that, it's, um, then one has to maintain it. And can be lost at any time. So our plans are thwarted. Um, 
So there's so we have to protect what we have. And despite having all that, one is not never satisfied. One wants more. <coughs> so here people think, if I maintain on my desires, if I work hard for them, I will get them. For devotees, Krishna gives what we deserve. Uh, Krishna, Krishna is a loving father. He provides devotees what they need. So, um, we might not like that, just like children don't like what their parents give them, or their parents, uh, the parents give their children what they feel is beneficial to them, not too much, not too little. So in the same way, Krishna fulfills the desires of his devotees to the degree he feels uh, he needs to for the benefit of the devotee. But for uh, non-devotees, for those who are not on the path of bhakti, it is by the karma. By the karma, they are you know, given a certain level of facility and certain, a certain type of body, a certain amount of wealth, beauty, etc. is given by their, their previous karma. But because we have so strong material desires, um, quite often the theater, when one has so strong desires, they impel one towards sinful activities. They said in the fifth canto, Nunam Brahmate Kurute Karma, Yat Indriya Pritya, Atmanoyam, Nasalu Mane, Yat Atmanoyam, Asan Api Kleshala, Asadeha. Translation When a person considers sense gratification to be the aim of life, he suddenly becomes mad after materialistic living and engages in all kinds of sinful activity. So that is the result of um, being obsessed by material desires. The scripture explains that when one is obsessed, one has an obsession about something. Obsession means the thinking about that activity day and night consumes their whole it consumes their whole being obsession. So when it's obsessed by not only one material desire from the perspective of the scripture, when one is obsessed by any material desire, he becomes mad. Well not mad in the ordinary sense. <laughs> But mad in the sense that uh, one becomes mad to fulfill those desires. And in the process, one commits uh, the karma or sinful activities. So that's, if you look at the world, that's what's happening at the moment. Because people are, we are mad to fulfill our desires. We are, we are thinking if I get this, I'll be happy. I only get this, or if I only get that. And in the process, uh, people are not, uh, we are not hesitating to commit sinful activities to achieve those. Right? So there is so much um, animals are killed, cheating is happening, uh, there is deceit, there is so much greed. 
as a result of that, there is uh, all kinds of deceit. So in this way, so many sinful activities are committed. Uh, if someone is unfairly treated or they are even killed. So that, that's the nature of having very strong material desires. And that's as a result of being on the sensual platform, which most of the people are on that platform. Most of the people are on, uh, on the sensual platform. Then some people are on the mental platform. Then very few are on the intellectual platform. And even very few, as Krishna says in the same chapter of Bhagavad Gita, it's a very rare person who takes up to the process of bhakti, a process of self-realization. Even more rare is one who surrenders unto me, Krishna says. But uh, a devotee is one who is tolerating these desires. So a devotee uh, tolerates these desires. In Rupa Goswami, in the Rupa Deshamrita, he says, Vajra Manasakrota Deva, Jeva Deva, Udharapasta Deva, Etan Deva, Sarvikriya, Vishayaka Deva, Sarva Matima, Ritsuni Sashishya. He says, a sober person or a Deva is one who can tolerate the urge to speak, can tolerate the, uh, the mind's demands, the actions of anger and the urges of the tongue, the belly and the genitals. So one who can tolerate such a person is, is qualified to be a spiritual master and travel the world and make disciples. In other words, uh, a devotee or one on the path of um, self-realization has to learn how to tolerate the urges of, 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 the, of the body, in other words, of the body. And as I was mentioning last time, that uh, the urges of the body, they come just like uh, the rivers enter the ocean. So in a river there is wave after wave. A, the flow of the water is unceasing, it's always coming. You can stand on the bank of a river and the river is constantly flowing. In the same way, the urges uh, will constantly arise because we have this body. The fact we have a material body means we will have material urges, which Rupa Goswami is explaining here. The urges of the mind, the body, uh, the belly, the tongue, the genitals, the urges, the urge to speak. This is a, a consequence of having this body. So they will arise, but one who can tolerate them uh, will attain success. And, and tolerance is very important. We will tolerate so many things in life. Like you're living, all of you are living in the ashram here, I'm sure you tolerate each other. <laughs> so you are tolerating each other. Otherwise, you can't live for so long in the ashram. Right? If you're working, you have to tolerate your colleagues. You have to tolerate your manager. But not everyone will do what you want them to do. 
That's, that's the nature of this world, right? Everyone is an individual. They're going to do things differently. So we, we have to tolerate each other. Um, and Prabhupada also said, because we, we are in a movement, we are in an organization. So that means they have to tolerate other devotees. Every, everyone will do things differently. Not behave the way you want them to behave. Or sometimes not even behave in line with the, with the teachings. We have to, sometimes we have to tolerate and some have to correct. So in the same way we have to tolerate the urges of, uh, of the body. We have to tolerate the material desires which will always arise. These are the strong urges. And one who can tolerate, Rupa Goswami is saying, such a person is Dhira. So the word Dhira is mentioned in various places in, in the scriptures. In the Bhagavad Gita also it is mentioned. Uh, Dhira is one who can uh, tolerate the appearance and disappearance of happiness and distress. Like the, like the appearance and disappearance of the seasons. So the word Dhira is used in various places in the scripture. And tolerance comes by, uh, it comes by practice. And it doesn't come all night. So this is something by, it comes by practice. By practicing and by having, and more, more importantly, by the practice of Krishna consciousness. So by, by the practice of Krishna consciousness, by the chanting of the holy names, and by engaging in devotional service, that, uh, by that we, we will we are able to tolerate the urges of the, of the body of, 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 and the material desires that arise. On our own, we cannot tolerate. We can try to tolerate, but ultimately we won't be successful on our own. Because, because Maya or material nature is so strong, Krishna says, this material energy of mine is very powerful, it is very difficult to overcome. Because it is Krishna's energy. It is, it is Krishna's energy. We are also Krishna's energy, but we are, um, we are the minute spiritual living energy. Because we are Tadasha, we are very minute. We can be overcome by, by Krishna's material energy, which is very, very powerful. But if you take shelter of Krishna's spiritual energy, if you take shelter of the Lord, then we can overcome the material energy. Otherwise, to tolerate is, is extremely difficult. We are against, it's like we are trying to swim up, you know, against the current. It's like we are trying to swim against the current. Or you're riding against a very strong headwind. <laughs> the eyesight. <laughs> so, some like um, if you live in some countries like New Zealand, I was I was looking at the you know, the weather forecast, and in early June they had average wind speeds of uh, 70 kilometers per hour. <laughs> the world's media city. So sometimes they have very, very strong winds because of the nature of where it is situated. Um, and there was one video I was watching. Sometimes the wind blows at 200 k's an hour. 
few times a year. So, if you're trying to walk against that, what hope do you have? <laughs> if you're trying to ride anything, what hope do you have? You'll be totally worn out and you'll be... You can do it for maybe a few minutes, but then you'll be... Even at 50 k an hour, it, it totally weighs you down. And we have a miserable experience. <laughs> so, in the same way, you can, you can try to tolerate material urges, but without the process of Krishna consciousness, without taking shelter of the Lord, it's a futile uh, attempt. And at some point, we are bound to fail. We're bound to fail. Because we, have, we haven't taken shelter of Krishna, who is who gives Palara, gives the spiritual strength. So one who is uh, one who is not on the path of bhakti, they will be opened by their uh, material desires. So even Indra, who was a devotee, he was opened by his material desires. Here the example is given, here the is reference to the Parishavatri. So one time, uh, Narad Muni, he gave, um, he came to the Varaka, he gave Rukmini the Parijata flower. So he gave Rukmini the Parijata flower. And this flower is very, very fragrant and very beautiful. So Satyabhama, who was also one of Krishna's queens, uh, she said, you know, I don't have this flower. She was feeling left out. And uh, she wanted this, this flower and Krishna to pacify her. He said, okay, not only will I give you the flower, I will give you the whole tree. He put, Krishna promised to give uh, Satyabhama the whole tree. So then, fast forward. One time Indra, he came to, Indra came to the Varaka because uh, this demon, Mahasura, he had shown the earrings of Aditi. So these were not any ordinary earrings. They were not your uh, artificial jewelry. They were, they were very special earrings, mother of the demigods. So the, the earrings of Aditi were stolen by this demon, Mahmasura, who was very puffed up because of his strength and wealth. He became very proud. And he, because of his strength, he went and stole the earrings of Aditi. He stole Varuna's umbrella. And he even captured some mountain. So he captured all these things. And, and the Indra, he came to the Varaka to lodge a complaint to Krishna. So Krishna decided to take action against the demon Vamasura. And then uh, Krishna took Satyabhama along with him on his carrier Garuda. So Garuda is. It's Krishna's bird carrier, massive bird, with very powerful talents, uh, and and they flew to. Um, does anyone remember Bhagavad kingdom name? Can't remember. Hey, so they went there, and this kingdom of Bhagavad was heavily fortified. Prabhupada said it by modern means, it was highly sophisticated. So this kingdom was highly fortified, it had four forts, um, 
was surrounded by water, then the palace was surrounded by a moat, it was even surrounded by like gaseous, uh, it was surrounded by gas, and it was a very sophisticated arrangement by barbed wire, electrified wire. <laughs> so Mamasura, Mamasura had heavily fortified, and the demon Mura was uh, sleeping within the water. So Mamasura had all his defenses, and he had captivated 16,108 uh, princesses over there. Right? So he had captured them. So Krishna went there and he, with his club, he destroyed the, the, four, the four forts. And Krishna, um, he fought the, his, he started to annihilate the army of, of, the, of the military forces of Bhamasura. And then that uh, enraged, enraged the demons, they came out, they had a big fight. The Mura came out, uh, Mura was very agitated, he came out, Mura even had five heads. Very powerful demon, was blazing like, um, this, like the sun. Um, Krishna chopped off the heads with the Sudarshan Chakra, there was a big fight. Uh, Garuda was also, you know, killing the horses, the elephants. Like, you know, like an eagle, sometimes you see the vegetable eagle. The vegetable eagle can kill a kangaroo. Do you know that? The vegetable eagle is, is one of Australia's biggest birds. It's a predator. With its talons, it can kill a, a big kangaroo. It attacks the kangaroo behind the head and can knock a kangaroo off and eat it. <laughs> so Garuda was, uh, was attacking. Garuda was also fighting using his talons and, and his wings, flapping them, very powerful work. So this was an insult to the demons because Krishna is fighting uh, on a bird with his wife. <laughs> this is a big insult. He had a woman there and he's got his wife Satyamama sitting on the bird, Garuda, and they're fighting. And then uh, he, he killed Mura and then uh, Mahamasura came out with his own army. So Krishna, he, he Mamasura attacked Garuda, but nothing happened to Garuda. It was like someone throwing flowers. <laughs> so no, nothing happened to Garuda. It felt like someone throwing flowers. So there was a big fight, and Krishna killed Mamasura. He chopped his head off, and his head fell with his earrings. And Krishna entered Mamasura's palace. Uh, before he entered his palace, uh, Bhumi Devi, she approached the Lord and she presented the earrings of Aditi to Krishna. She presented the umbrella of Varuna and she presented her own son who was, uh, who was bewildered. She offered wonderful prayers and Krishna entered the palace. He collected a lot of the wealth. There were I think, 90 or 50 white elephants. Krishna collected them and dispatched them to Dwarka. Very, you know, elephant is a royal animal. Very, very regal, majestic. And he described white elephants. I've never seen white elephants. They were white elephants. Krishna dispatched them to Dwarka. And then uh, he, he saw the 16,000 Manoi princesses um, 
in, in, in present day and they all desire to have Krishna as their husband. So Krishna fulfilled their desire. Uh, he dispatched them to Dwarka. And then Krishna along with Satyabhama, he went to the kingdom of, he went to Indra's abode, which is called, starts with A. Amravati, thank you. So Krishna with Satyamama and Garuda they went to Amravati and there Krishna presented Indra the, the earrings of Aditi and all the other paraphernalia. Because Krishna Indra had lodged that complaint, so Indra was very respectful, he offered his obeisances, thanked Krishna and uh, off they went. Then uh, as they were flying back, Satyabhama saw the Parijata tree and then she remembered um, that Krishna had promised her the Parijata tree and then she decided to she, she picked one plant. They were, as Prabhupada mentioned in the purport, the Parijata tree is, the Parijata plant is found in Indra's Amravati. Right? It's found in Indra's abode and it's there in the spiritual. So, uh, Satyabhama picked up the <laughs> Parijata plant. The demons were, uh, no sorry, what am I saying? The demigods were infuriated. <laughs> Not only Indra, all the other demigods were infuriated because they, Satyabhama picked up the Parijata tree, plant, plant or tree, without taking their permission. In, in Krishna book that uh, she didn't take the permission, she just picked one up. <laughs> it's quite amazing, they were infuriated. Though there were so many, it's not only like one tree, maybe if one tree, okay, maybe you could understand. Still, it's, it's offensive because the Supreme God has taken one. There were so many trees there and uh, she decided to take one. Uh, so, they were infuriated, uh, they demanded it back. Krishna and Satyavana didn't give it back. And uh, Krishna, he, he doubled down. And Krishna was determined not to give it back too. And then there was a fight. <laughs> Indra fought with uh, Krishna. It's, it's amazing. One minute, Krishna just brought the, brought the earrings of Aditi, the umbrella of Varuna, the Supreme Lord made the source of everything, the master of everyone, he is bringing his rendering service to his devotee. And then uh, Indra, because he was obsessed by, uh, by material desires, basically, because he was obsessed, he, he didn't want to part with one tree. And there was a big fight. Krishna always wins and he won this fight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Krishna won the fight. And then he brought the tree and he planted it in the, as mentioned here, he planted it in the mansions of Dwarka. So it seems like he planted multiple trees. It's in mansions. The word mansion is mentioned. Krishna married 16,000 Manoli queens. He treated them all equally, gave them 10 sons each, one daughter, uh, gave them all a palace. He had so many wives and he has to treat them equally. Otherwise, there will be a problem. So he gave them, it seems like it was the Parijata tree was planted. 
uh, throughout Dwarka. And the Parijata flowers are very, very fragrant. Um, it, it attracted the, the swans from the heavenly planet, and then they were also all around the world. It became a very pleasant atmosphere. So the Parijata tree is such, one can desire any, anything from this tree. And Prabhupada says here, that the trees in this world, a mango tree will only give you a mango fruit. Whereas uh, you can plant one tree and get all types of fruits. You can get anything from that tree. So that tree was highly desired. In this world we have ornamental trees. They are they produce very beautiful flowers or beautiful leaves. And people plant them in the front of the houses. Then you have trees which fruit. They give flowers and uh, they give fruits. Um, but the Bhairagata tree gives you all sorts of fruits and it can give you anything. It's, it's a Kalpa Riksha. So one time um, Indra, again he was bewildered. The point is, the one is infatuated by material desires. Um, one is never satisfied. So Indra had everything, still wasn't satisfied to let go of one. Um, And then Indra is on top of this. He's got all the heavenly dancers, he's got Urvasi, right? the celestial dancer. So he had trouble, you know, uh, giving up one tree. It's amazing. So one time uh, Indra, he got attracted by Gautam Muni's wife. Her name was? <laughs> Aliyah. Aliyah, Aliyah. So Indra was uh, attracted by Gautam Muni's wife because she was very, very, extremely beautiful. So Indra is the same, he has everything. He has Urvasi, he has all the damsels over there. But he wanted to have an uh, affair with Gautam Muni's wife. He tried various things. Uh, ultimately, what he did was he assumed the form of Gautam Rishi. So while Gautam Rishi was away, he went and enjoyed her. And later, <laughs> later Gautam Rishi, when he found out, he cursed Indra and he cursed the Lord. So, uh, so the point is, he had everything still, he wasn't satisfied. And one time Indra, he was, uh, <coughs> you know, the, uh, the golden Leela. So the, the system is the uh, people perform sacrifices. Krishna, Krishna outlines the system in the Bhagavad Gita for mankind. One, Krishna says that uh, one who simply takes, who doesn't give in sacrifice, is a thief. Right? Because they're not acknowledging the proprietor of everything. So the system of sacrifice is uh, in order to protect one from sinful activities. Um, the system for most people was they would uh, engage in sacrifice to the demigods because they want to fulfill their materialistic desires. And in that way they um, try to acknowledge the, that there is a higher force above them. 
right? So the modern man thinks that it's just me, there's no higher forces. Yeah, the weather is there, the weather is outside of control, but ultimately there's no one who's controlling the weather. That's what the people think. The, but before people have an understanding that the weather is controlled by living entities or the demigods. It's not just happening by itself. A gale force wind, you know, or a storm doesn't come by itself. So there were people who engage in sacrifice, in doing yagya to please the demigods, so they can be prosperous in this world and their desires are fulfilled. <coughs> so the tradition was to offer sacrifices. Um, and Nanda Maharaj, every year he would offer sacrifice to, to Indra. He would do the Indra yagya. And uh, Krishna saw that and he said, uh, this whole beautiful conversation between Nanda Maharaj and Indra. And basically Krishna, well, the conclusion of that was, Krishna said, you offer the sacrifice to, uh, to, to Gaurdhan. And then I will expand myself and eat that, eat the yagya. Don't offer it to Indra. Because Indra was, he was puffed up by his prophet admiration and distinction. He was receiving it from everyone. So Indra was not only getting from people in, in Raj, but Indra, you can, you can very confidently assume that he was uh, getting yagyas from throughout the planet, because at that time, Vedic culture was very widespread. So it was just one tiny tribe in Raj who were offering yagya. It's not like the residents of Vrindavan stop, no, there's no yagya. You can fairly confidently assume that it was taking place very broadly speaking. So Indra was uh, infuriated because <laughs> one yagya stopped for him. But the yagya was happening to Krishna, who was even the lord of Indra. Because Indra was so absorbed in his um, prophet adoration and distinction, um, he didn't see that. The yagya is happening to the for the yagyeshwar, right? The the lord of all sacrifices. So the demigods should be pleased when Krishna is worshipped, because Krishna is their master. But uh, Indra, he, he thought Indra was bewildered. He got puffed up by his position, and uh, he he decided to kill the residents of Vrindavan by by sending the, what's the name of the clouds? Samadha Yeah, Samadha clouds. And he, he decided to flood them and kill them. The, kill, kill the devotees. And, and cause great inconvenience to Krishna as well. Of course, there is no inconvenience to God and the devotees because Krishna lifted the golden hill and smashed Indra's tribe by lifting it on one, on the pinky finger for a week. And despite his efforts to drown in and down for a week, nothing happened. In fact, the hill was not damaged as well. <laughs> so his pride was totally smashed. Um, 
So one is never satisfied because uh, one is, if he had, if he had material desires, they never be satisfied. No matter how much they get, no matter how much adoration, distinction, or praise they get, how much material glorification they get, no matter how much one sings our praise, we'll always hanker for more. Someone can glorify our you know, abilities in, in class giving or kirtan or preaching or uh, or our material career, you know, how well we have advanced, or our strength. You can you can have the best strava segments. <laughs> For you know, if you're exercising, you use strava. In strava, they have segments. They have the leadership board. So if you are running, you know, instead somewhere if you are cycling, uh, automatic because they collect all that data, it's automatic. You don't need to do anything. If you are if you are cycling on beach road, and because so many other people are cycling too, then it automatically the system it it, it it is able to it knows you went this time on that road and this these many k's an hour. Someone else went at that time. So what it does, it, it comes up with a ranking. On this patch of road, you can see the ranking, and you are number 500. <laughs> <laughs> or you're number one. You, you set a personal record or anything. So that's called a travel segment or leadership goal. So you can, and uh, it is, it is, research has found that uh, people become very competitive. <laughs> and they're going so fast to, so they can uh, come very high on the leadership goals. So one is never satisfied. <laughs> I'm sure they do it with swimming also. Uh, so one is one is never satisfied. Hiranyakashipu, Hiranyakashipu had uh, the entire. He had captured the entire universe. He had captured the three three worlds by his prowess, by his tapasya, austerity. He had got the boon, as we know, from Lord Brahma. He thought he had outsmarted Lord Brahma, and he got this boon, which no one can kill him. Uh, and then he, he captured the whole universe. But still, he, he wasn't satisfied. This is the nature of material desires. So um, he, he, he was he was not um, satisfied. And in material society, uh, the society we are living in, we, we think that the propaganda is through technology advancement and technology and science, we will be able to uh, solve our problems and satisfy ourselves. But that is uh, an illusion. We will never be able to satisfy ourselves. <coughs> but the beauty of Krishna consciousness is the more we engage in it, um, we, we become we become very satisfied. And then one does not hanker for anything else. In the Srimad Bhagavatam, there is a very nice verse Bhakti Parishanu Bhago Virakti Anyatra Chaisa Trikatim Kalaha Papadya Mansya Yathasnata Sius Tushi Bushi Shudapayo Anunasana. I said that uh, the translation is devotion. Direct experience of the Supreme Lord <coughs> and detachment from other things 
These three occur simultaneously for one who has taken shelter of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. In the same way that pleasure, nourishment, and relief from hunger come simultaneously and increasingly with each bite for a person engaged in eating. It's a way they use a very relevant example of eating. Because we have the stomach and body, we have to eat two, three times a day. Uh, so we get hungry every day, we get hungry. Right? So that's like, you know, you have desire, strong desire, you want to eat. But with every morsel of food, we put in the mouth. It, it satisfies us. And then at one point, we don't want any more food. Like with the feast. You know, we have making gulabs and then at some point, <laughs> Prabhu takes some more gulabs. No, no, I cannot eat more. <laughs> Like that. Shrikan. Shrikan. Does it happen to you at some point you don't want more or you always. No, I want different. You want different one? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> different one, yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> so then devotion, bhakti parisham bhava bhakti, tushri pushri shodapayo anubhasana. So by engaging in Krishna consciousness, by engaging in, in bhakti, uh, that leads to tushri or satisfaction. And then because of that satisfaction, one does not anchor for uh, material sensory, basically. One does not anchor for sensory because of engaging in Krishna consciousness. So of course all this I've said about that. I'm, I'm over there. I need to deepen my practice myself and try to overcome material desires. Um, <clears throat> so when one is on the platform of Krishna consciousness, nothing can tempt one. No amount of material pleasure can tempt one. When one is truly situated on the platform of Krishna consciousness, so till we are situated on that platform, uh, we will be tempted and we have to tolerate and be very, very careful by taking shelter of Prabhupada and the Supreme Lord in the process of bhakti. So there is the example of Kola Vita Sridhar. So Kola Vita Sridhar was a, was a Brahmana. He was very, very poor. So his, but from the material standpoint, he was uh, practically living in, in poverty, and his profession was selling cups made out of banana leaves. Yeah, so after leaves, he was selling uh, cups, not a very, uh, from the mundane perspective, not a very glamorous career, right? <laughs> not a very glamorous profession, not something to boast about from a material perspective. And he was selling these uh, cups made out of banana leaves on the side of the road. So very insignificant job. Then Lord Chaitanya would uh, visit Kolavita Shrida on a regular basis. So selling uh, banana cups 
they're not worth much money. Even if you go to Mayapur today, or in the Dham, or you go in a village, you'll find people are selling these cups made out of leaves. They're not expensive. You can buy lots and lots for some rupees. But Lord Chaitanya would uh, bargain with Kaurav Vishikar. <laughs> Though they were not expensive at all, uh, he would bargain with them, with him. And in India we bargain with everything. <laughs> so Lord Chaitanya would bargain with Kaurav Vishikar and try to bring the price down. So they had this whole argument and in the end Kaurav Vishikar would surrender and give it to him, Lord Chaitanya. <laughs> And Lord Chaitanya uh, was very pleased by by Kolamita Shrigar's uh, surrender. Kolamita Shrigar would, uh, would engage 50% of his income, meager income, in the worship of Mother Ganga. And with the other 50%, he would uh, sustain himself, which is quite amazing. On such a small income, if you think about it, his income was hardly anything. And then Lord Chaitanya was very pleased with him. So one day he uh, revealed himself to Kolabhita Shriga and he said, now you can ask for me any, any benediction in your life in this world. So if we consider where Kolabhita Shriga is coming from, he's, he's in poverty, practically speaking. Not in a very glorious profession from a material perspective. Um, so someone like that would be tempted to Ask for, you know, he would think that someone in his position would say, maybe give me a nice house, comfortable, some money, that's all I want. Please give me the basics. So Lord Chaitanya said, you can take anything you like from me. I'll give you anything in the three words. So Kolaraja Shiva said, no, I don't want anything. I just want uh, service at the lowest street. So uh, the point being, one who is firmly situated, they are not distracted by any, anything material. Uh, we are not on that platform and we cannot imitate Kola Vita Shrida. But someone who is truly situated on that platform, they are, <coughs> they are fixed um, and they are, they are not um, thrown off by the tricks of Maya. Even Haridas Hakur, Haridas Hakur was approached by my lady herself. Like she came she came to tent him. But Harida Sapuri said she wanted to uh, enjoy it with Harida Sapur. Harida Sapur said, not right now, I need to finish my for 192 rounds. Which takes apparently takes a whole day. So I mean, once I finish my rounds, I'll satisfy your desires. But uh, the rounds will never finish. <laughs> and the next day will come. In this way, uh, he was not tempted. So, a very, in other words, a very beautiful woman approached him in the dead of the night when the world of ignorance is very strong. At such a time, alone, you know, in isolation, no one's watching him. Um, Haridas Thakur was not tempted by, by Maya personified. So, one who is one who is on the path of bhakti is firmly situated, is not tempted by Maya, but we, we, we are not like Haridas Chakur and Kolabhita Shridhar. Uh, ch- chances are they will be tempted, so don't try that. 
don't try anything remote to that because you we will be tempted very likely like that. So uh, wealth, position, um, beauty, these things are, are traps, are obstacles for one who is in the path of bhakti. And, and um, one has to be careful to maintain these things. The best way is to engage in Krishna service. And that's what Krishna says in the fifth chapter of Bhagavad Gita. He says, I am the proprietor of everything. So if we engage our assets, we all have certain assets. We have some assets we bond with, others we acquire, or they, they, they come to us by karma. So we have some people to bond with the asset of beauty. They're very handsome or they're very beautiful. Some people are born with the assets of great learning. They are very learned. For them, learning comes naturally. No problem. Right? Like for you, it comes naturally. <laughs> uh, for others, uh, strength. There are some people whose body is very strong. It's naturally. <laughs> for, for others, uh, what is it? Jaina? High, high birth? Is natural. They're born in a rich aristocratic family. So for some, wealth is natural. For some, beauty is natural. For some, learning comes naturally. It doesn't take much effort. So these are uh, assets given to us. If they engage in the service of the Lord, then uh, they don't become our downfall. Otherwise, these very same assets uh, become our downfall. And then we commit the karma of sinful activities. So leave it there. Uh, have any comments or questions on what we discussed today? No? Okay. Thank you very much. I'm trying to remember. Thank you.